Let us pray. Lord, deepen our hunger for your word, and so teach us to turn first to you in every need. Then feed us with your multiple gifts. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation this morning is from the first book of Kings, the third chapter beginning with the fourth verse. Please rise. So the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there because it was the most important high place. Solomon offered 1,000 whole burnt offerings on that altar. The Lord appeared to Solomon in Gibeon in a dream at night. God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon said, you have shown great mercy and faithfulness to your servant, my father David, just as he walked before you in truth, righteousness, and uprightness of heart toward you. You have shown this great mercy and faithfulness to him and have given him a son who is seated on his throne to this very day. O Lord my God, now you have made your servant king in the place of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And I, your servant, am among your people whom you have chosen, a great people who cannot be counted or numbered because they are so many. Now give to your servant a perceptive heart to judge your people, to distinguish between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? In the eyes of the Lord, Solomon's request was good. So God said to him, Because you have asked for this, and have not asked for a long life, nor have you asked for riches, nor have you asked for the lives of your enemies, but you have asked for discernment to reach just verdicts. Therefore I will act according to your words. Yes, I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you before, nor will anyone like you rise up after you. In addition, I will give you what you have not asked for, such riches and honor that there will not be anyone like you among the other kings throughout all your days. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. When David died, his son naturally took his place, and so David's dynasty began. David was the greatest king Israel had ever seen. And these were some big shoes for Solomon to fill. What's more, Solomon had a front row seat to much of the troubles of the kingdom that his father faced while he ruled. This was a difficult job that he was entering. If you know anything about Solomon, it likely has to do with wisdom. Here's the origin story when God gave him that gift of wisdom, even saying, yes, I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you before you, nor will anyone like you rise up after you. Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. And here he already demonstrates some of that wisdom in making this petition that, in the way that he does. First he goes to Gibeon. There was no temple yet in Jerusalem, but Israel worshipped atop high hills, making sacrifices at open-air shrines. Gibeon was less than ten miles north of Jerusalem, and the young king traveled there to make this massive sacrifice, a thousand burnt offerings, and to seek the Lord's help. There God answered his prayer and gave a true king's gift from God. It was a gift that would make the king into a servant. And it would be accompanied by all God's riches 
First, what does it mean to make the king a servant? After Solomon made his request, God listed some of the things that he might have asked for, saying, you have not asked for a long life, nor have you asked for riches, nor have you asked for the lives of your enemies. And these things would make sense. Think of all the things that characters might wish for in various stories with genies or magical beings. A long life, riches, a revenge. Those all probably top the list. But Solomon's petition is not selfish, and that sets him apart. Now give to your servant a perceptive heart to judge your people, to distinguish between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? So he might as well have said, give me strong knees so that I can kneel and scrub long hours on the floors of your people. This gift was not for him. It was to be used by him for God's people. And this king is therefore a type, a foreshadowing picture of Christ. Remember that Jesus said, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. St. Paul, therefore, encourages all Christians to have a similar mind. Though he was by nature God, he did not consider equality with God as a prize to be displayed, but he emptied himself by taking the nature of a servant. So for us to have the, sim the same mind as Christ, here's the how-to. Step one is to recognize your lack, your inability. I'm a little child, said Solomon. I do not know how to go out or come in, and I, your servant, am among your people whom you have chosen, a great people who cannot be counted or numbered because they are so many. See, Solomon's task was enormous, and he lacked the know-how to accomplish it. Step two is to go to the one who can give you what you lack. God is that powerful provider. Keep asking and it will be given to you, said Jesus. Keep seeking and you will find. Keep knocking and it will be opened for you. But so that we don't think that God is some magic genie who will grant our wishes, we read how he answered Solomon's prayer. Because you have asked for this, for discernment to reach just verdicts, therefore I will act according to your words. These, these two steps are a little bit Misleading, in fact, because it's both simpler than that and not so simple as that. One, self-examination. Two, petition to God. It might still come across as though you need to do all the work until God answers your prayer. But the reason that you can examine yourself at all is because God has given you his word. He has sent his spirits to convict your heart of sin and the reason you can speak to God at all is because God's Son has clothed your heart with his holiness so that you have received the right to come into his presence. Now Solomon knew that he was put into a place that God had designated for him. Now you have made your servant king in the place of my father David. He recognized that his office was the means by which God would continue to provide the promise that he gave to his father David. That David's kingdom would last forever. And that David's descendant, 
And Solomon's descendant would be the Messiah, the savior of Israel and of the whole world. Now talk about expectations. The young king Solomon was terrified that he would mess it up. And not only that, he wanted to be sure that he did everything right so that God's people would prosper, so that they would get what God wanted them to get, and so that they would grow in relation to him. This is something that we should consider in relation to each of our vocations. Wisdom is always the best thing we could ask for in any walk of life. Solomon would later write in the book of Proverbs, zeal without knowledge is certainly not good. And a person who acts hastily sins. To that wisdom is the cure. Slow down. Consider the options. Weigh things out. Evaluate not what is easy or what is convenient or what will make others happy in the moment, but determine what is right. And that goes whether you're a king, a servant, a mother, a father, a child, a mechanic, a pastor, or any vocation in which God has placed you. In that book of Solomon, wisdom is depicted as a character, a woman who calls out loudly in the street, despairing that so few people listen to her. As the book of Proverbs progresses, we see this character of wisdom develop so that she says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way before his works of long ago. From eternity I was appointed. From the beginning, from before the origin of the earth, when there were no deep waters, I was brought forth. And the language here should remind us of what the Apostle St. John writes about the word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it should also sound fairly similar to our Nicene Creed. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds. Essentially, wisdom, true wisdom, is the Son of God, the Messiah, to possess him. To possess that real wisdom is to have saving faith. And this fact shows itself in the lives of those who possess him. You see then how all these expectations are met already for us. We are expected to analyze ourselves sufficiently, but to do that requires wisdom already. We are expected to speak to God about every need, but that also requires wisdom. All the power of the eternal Son of God, the Word, wisdom itself, that was put to use in a servant for us. To bear the law's commands in our place and to elevate us to the status of royalty in God's house. Jesus humbled himself so that we might be exalted. And therefore this gift is accompanied by all God's riches. The way God provides for Solomon might cause us to recall Jesus' words, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The king's worry about his lack, his deficiency, didn't lead him to be lost in despair, 
but he took it directly to the Lord in prayer. Consider that your first concern, therefore. Do you possess wisdom? Do you possess salvation? Do you possess the kingdom? Look at what God has given you. Indeed, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things along with him? Again, that list of things that God made that Solomon could have asked for but didn't. You have not asked for a long life, nor have you asked for riches, nor have you asked for the lives of your enemies. Now put that way, all those things sound selfish. But recast them just a little bit. Long life. Life. Health. Those aren't selfish things to ask for, are they? Riches property and food and clothing and shelter, wouldn't that fall under the daily bread that we ask for in the Lord's Prayer? The lives of your enemies, safety and peace, don't we want that for ourselves and for our whole nation? No, in themselves, these are not bad things to pray for, but they come second. As Jesus preached, the birds don't worry about their food, but God feeds them. And the flowers don't worry about their clothing, but God clothes them. So that Jesus even said, not even Solomon in all his glory was dressed like one of these. Instead, he gives us the proper order for our concern, our focus in the Lord's Prayer. The first petition is, hallowed be thy name. That is, may God remain who he is, and may we remain his servants who praise him and look to him for every good thing. And second, thy kingdom come. That is, let us receive the kingdom of God, faith, salvation, forgiveness, and everlasting life. And may God continue to rule over it and to rule over us. And thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is, the Lord is the true possessor of wisdom, the father of wisdom, and so may he exercise it for his good purposes, which we know will be for our good. Next is give us this day our daily bread, that is, everything that we need for this body and life. But we aren't going to define what that is. It's up to God. As he has allotted it, as he has assigned each day for us, and again, may we trust him to provide for us according to his will, which again we know will be for our good. You see, because we have been made members of God's kingdom through baptism and through faith, our existence is changed. God always provides for his people. He even makes his sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. But because we've been made righteous in Jesus' life, grafted into his death and his resurrection, we are made servants of God in a new way. We possess the greatest treasure of all, and with it, all God's riches. So you can think about your life in a different way. In a certain sense, if you don't have a thing, then you don't need it. But that's only part of the story. If you don't have 
a thing. You have God. God who has made himself your servant, and you can go to him to receive what you need. Now, this is the ongoing cycle of our life, the wheel that we ride on each day into eternity. Having received forgiveness, life, and salvation while we live in this sinful world, in this sinful flesh, we're constantly reminded to return to God again, to be strengthened in that faith, to receive again and again that forgiveness and life and salvation. This is wisdom, the true kingly gift from God. It's absolutely everything that we need for life, for true life, even now. And the wisdom to return to the giver of that gift and to rely on him fully. Through this gift, he keeps his promise to you. His promise to be for you. To care for you and to bring you his life, his love, and his joy for eternity. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.